Hey everybody, David Chuddick here, and we're excited to have Adam Cole on the podcast today talking about relationships and money. How do you talk to your spouse? How do you talk to your partners about money? Avoid the fights and get on the same page. This one can be life-changing. And don't forget to check out our new and updated website, www.weeklywealthpodcast.com. And don't forget to like and subscribe to our podcast on whatever platform you use. We hope that you enjoy the episode. This is the Weekly Wealth Podcast with certified financial planner, David Chuddick, where we discuss the wealth-building mindsets and tactics that can help you to build and maintain wealth for you, your family, and your business. Well, welcome everybody to this week's episode of the Weekly Wealth Podcast. My name is David Chuddick, and I am a financial planner with Parallel Financial. And what that means is I help clients to make the right money de money decisions for them to help them to make their lives better. So if you've ever wondered what it's like to work with a financial advisor, email me, david at parallelfinancial.com. That's david at parallelfinancial.com. And we can do a 30-minute in-person or Zoom or telephone conversation and just talk about the things that are important to you and see if there are any next steps to take your financial situation to the next level. Today, we are talking with Adam Cole. And Adam Cole is going to talk about how couples can deal with their money properly, how they can talk about money. Because I know none of us out there have ever had any uh, any money, money, <laughs> money conflicts in life. So, uh, hey, Adam, how are you? What's going on, man? Uh, thanks so much for having me, David. I'm doing great and uh, love talking about my number one topic. Yeah, yeah. So how does somebody get... Uh, get to where they they start coaching couples with, with regard to money and communication about money and all that fun stuff? Well, you know, you said, how does one, I can tell you about my, my story. Let's hear I it. I can't tell you about how one might do it because my goodness, there it was not anything that I had predicted would be in the future. But, um, you know, there's a huge issue at the intersection of money and relationships, money and marriage. Uh, it's one of the biggest stressors in relationships is money. This is one of the top causes of divorce. Uh, around a third of couples name it as the main reason for their divorce. And it's a factor in a much larger number. And yet there are so few people who focus exclusively on this work. There are so few books about it. So few podcasts about it. So few YouTube channels. And that really blew my mind when I discovered that. Uh, and so I looked at that and saw a huge need, right? Even if it was one that the market wasn't aware of in terms of when you have financial challenges, right? You go to financial planner like yourself. When you have relationship challenges, you go to a couple's therapist, right? Um, but what happens when you have something that kind of blends the two, right? Where the therapist may not be able to help you with the tactical and practical side, and the financial planner may not want to dive into the emotional and relational parts of it. And I saw a chance for me to make a big impact there. Uh, my background, I worked as a financial advisor for a spell at Northwestern Mutual. I studied economics. I uh, went to law school at Duke and then got a master's in tax law at NYU. So I've always been in the world of finance, business. And Jeez, you're, you're no idiot, are you? You sound like a pretty smart guy. Well, 
I mean, you waited till after I said where I went to school before you said that. So, you know, maybe <laughs> you got to weigh it against how I before that started. I was thinking, who's this idiot on my podcast? No. Right. Uh, <laughs> and um, no, I appreciate it. And then I also got really involved in the world of personal development and coaching. So I had a knack for that was doing a lot of conflict resolution work as part of a volunteer committee organizing I was doing. So I had an act for that. And then I became a certified mediator. And then when I realized there was this huge need that I mentioned at the intersection of relationships and money, I said, you know, I think I can maybe make an impact here. And literally change lives. I mean, not help someone to make $5 more or 2% more on their investments. You can literally change lives with, with what you're doing. It's, yeah, I mean, it's an honor and a privilege and a blessing to be a part of these conversations with couples that they let me into. And, you know, whether it's been my clients who are so in conflict over money that they're cascading toward divorce or clients who have great relationships and money is just mystifying to them, right? Um, to help all those couples take it to the next level or next 10 levels, right? Whether that's paying off debt, buying the home, or even what resonates even more for me sometimes is, you know, going from a place of severe conflict around money or avoidance to a place of, wow, I remember why I married this person. I remember why they're my best friend. We are operating as a team again. Mm -hmm. And that feels so great. I love that. I love that. You know, yesterday, the, the, the Dow Jones was down 700 points today. It's up mm -hmm. four or 500. Now, the way that I look at it is, you know, my firm, we have a great investment process, but we can't control if the Dow drops 700 points in a day. Um, today, we, we didn't make it go up 400 points today. But what you can do is you can help clients, your clients to talk about money and deal with their money in a way that makes sense for them. And that's just so that that's so so empowering for sure. Well, so, um, and, and absolutely. And we spoke about just before we went live, David, about how, you know, we all know wealthy couples and wealthy families who are not happy or have conflict around money and other stuff. And we know people who have a whole lot less who have a lot more partnership and peace of mind. And, you know, that's the difference to say, it's one thing to be struggling financially, but it's even worse to do it alone, right? To feel alone in that. Versus even if you're trying to climb out of a, a, a climb a mountain of debt, but if you are hand in hand with the person you chose to spend your life with, it's a totally different conversation. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's no question about that. And it's easy. You can make a couple hundred thousand dollars a year or more and live paycheck to paycheck and have, uh, have a lot of stress. It's, it's easy when you're making a lot of money to take on big mortgage payments, you know, to buy the $2 million house, which is difficult to afford where maybe the $500,000 house would be really in your comfort zone and you wouldn't have, wouldn't have that financial stress. So if, the if there's a, if there's a couple and, and, you know, they're having some, some money issues and, and let's face it, many money issues are self-caused. Um, or at least not self-prevented. And, and I, I don't know if you would agree with that, but, um, and then there's also, you know, COVID shuts down the economy. Well, geez, Adam didn't cause COVID to shut down the economy. Um, you know, so thing, things do happen, but many of our, of our own financial issues, and I'll speak for myself, mine are, are either I, I caused them or I didn't prevent them. So you have a couple and there are some financial issues. 
how do you start a healthy con- a conversation in a healthy way as opposed to, you know, hey, Adam, why are you spending so much money? We're going to go broke if you don't stop spending, which clearly is probably not going to get the desired result. So healthy conversation about money. How do you start those? First of all, great job identifying what probably won't go so well, David. You're exactly right. And, you know, for people listening, it's a good moment to take a breath and look inward and be honest with yourself. When you try and bring it up with your partner, first of all, are you even trying to bring it up with them? And if you do, how much similarity do you have with the way David just spoke about it? If you're like most people, probably a good bit, right? This is a topic that is uncomfortable for us. It's still a taboo in our society. It's hard to bring up. We are worried about being judged. We might have our own anxieties or fears around money. Maybe we feel like we don't know enough or don't have enough. Um, Don't you feel like guys, like dudes are just like our self-worth, rightly or wrongly, is somewhat built around how much money we make. And, And during the times in our lives where we're not making as much money as we would like, I mean, that's, you know, guys, our self-worth, I think, is, is definitely uh, revolves around that. It's a thousand percent the case, right? I mean, there is, the way that we are raised, the messages we received have a tremendous impact on us, right? And as guys, usually what we're seeing in our own family growing up, in friends' families, in media and TV, and depending on when you're born, of course, you're typically seeing the man being the one who goes off to earn the money, right? And then essentially is the head of the household. And of course, in heterosexual partnerships where the counterpart is female, then she's the one who is taking care of the domestic and like issues and all that. Now, the thing is, like you said, there there are a lot of things I could say about that dynamic, but no doubt what it results in is men, unless they've really worked on it or had different role models, it's easy for us to feel like, like you said, our worth is tied to our ability to generate income and take care of our family, including financially. And when we struggle, it can be a real bruise to our ego. And you have a society that, while we still have a long way to go, is moving towards greater gender equity and something like I think over a quarter of couples now of heterosexual couples, the woman is the primary breadwinner. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and this can actually be really uncomfortable. And I've seen it with my clients. I've experienced it personally. Heck, you know, it's even if you believe in gender equality, even if you think in your conscious brain, it's fine. I am the more, the merrier in terms of dollars coming in. Right. It's still something that I always recommend to people spend some time with. Don't don't like push it away like, oh, that's not going to be me because those childhood messages we receive, they loom large. And by the way, it's not just the men who have been socialized to believe that they're supposed to be the provider. It's also the women who've been socialized to believe that they are supposed to be provided for. Right. And so both ends of that have some work to do. Right. If we're going to achieve true equity regardless of how much money each person is bringing in or not. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we kind of mentioned how not to have that conversation. Um, You know, what are some of the ways where, you know, both, both parts of the couple, they 
kind of know. Maybe they're in their 40s or 50s and they're like, yeah, we just know that unless we don't, unless we do something different, we're not going to have enough money to retire. And we know that whether we're making good money or not, there's really not much left over because we have two $80,000 cars and, and nobody can afford, you know, two $1,500 a month car payments. And so they know that there are issues. Start that conversation. Like, how do you do it? Well, I think a good first place to start is always to reflect on your own first before you go to your partner, especially if this has been a challenging conversation and there's not much of a sense of trust or safety around it. You need to build that. So looking inward is going to help you understand what's going on for you. And that's going to benefit you in multiple ways when you go to that conversation. Right. So number one is that if you understand yourself better, you might be able to manage some of your triggers and the things that kind of put you off your game so that you can notice them, take a deep breath, come back down to earth rather than escalating into a full fledged conflict. Right. But the other thing is, when you discover how it really is for you to be in that situation, that's something you can tell your partner. You know, usually we're with each other because we care about each other, hopefully deeply, right? And so let's say you sit with it and you discover, wow, I'm really scared, right? Like in your example, I am scared. I don't know what's going to happen. Like I... I uh, I'm scared. I don't know if we're going to be able to retire. Are we going to be able to enjoy our grandchildren? Like, if you just go to your partner, nobody wants money. They want what the money can get them. They want to know always. that, hey, we have a grandkid. We'll be able to take them to Disney World and not worry about it. It's not that how much money you need. It's that you want to do that. Absolutely. Right. And also not have to be working two jobs so that you can actually spend quality time with those grandkids. And so, you know, when you look inside, you say, oh my God, I'm, I'm scared. Or, oh my God, this is bringing me so much anxiety, right? I have to take a Tums every day because of our, what is or isn't in our retirement accounts. And if you go and say that to your partner, that is something where you're not blaming them, right? I'm not saying that they won't have their own stuff that comes up and, you know, they project and feel defensive. Of course we're human, but it's like, shoot, I really be, want to be able to take our grandkids to Disney World without worrying about it. And right now, I'm super scared, right? And in that first conversation, don't try and figure out a solution. I mean, if it naturally arises, go for it, right? Uh, but the idea here is to just get your feet wet. Just open up to them a little bit. Help them understand your perspective, see if they are open to sharing theirs and just build a little bit of trust that you can talk about money and it's not going to be a nightmare. It's not going to be one person attacking the other. Right. And, and it's helpful. Like I said, not only if you can share a little bit of what you've been feeling, but also if you can paint them a picture of why you want to talk about money, it's because of the future you want to create, right. The things that money makes available to you. Would it help if I were starting a conversation with my wife to also maybe bring up proactively some of the reasons why 
some of the things that are kind of my fault. So, you know, Hey, I mean, I know sometimes I like to spend money a little mindlessly and, and, and that kind of, you know, maybe over years adds up to thousands and thousands of dollars. And, and yet we, we may not be able to take our kids to, to Disney world or help them go to college. And, and, you know, part of this is really like on me because, because of this issue with me, I mean, do you think that would break down a barrier or. I am impressed with your instincts, David, this is a, you know, that's really the part three that I always advocate as well is take a look and see where you can acknowledge your role in the situation that you are facing now. And I'm not talking about it in a you're good or bad or it's not like this moral blame kind of thing. It's a factual acknowledgement, right? And so maybe it's certain kinds of spending or uh, the way that you saved or not saved, but it could also be something as simple as, you know what, now we're 55 staring down the pike of retirement age and we're not prepared. You know what, we're a team. We should have been like, I want us to prepare for retirement as a team. And I'm sorry because I have neglected to bring this issue up and to work on it the way that I should have been working on it for the last three decades. So I am sorry because now we're in this position and there were things I could have done that I did not do. Perfect. Right? I love that because that's taking some, some accountability um, as opposed to, man, if you would have been awesome like me, we would never be in this crappy situation because that, that, that probably is not going to be in the couple's financial coach uh, repertoire of ways to start a conversation. No. And you know what? I love to say it always takes two to tango in a relationship. Sometimes I have this where, you know, someone come, couple comes to me in a consultation or even in the first couple of meetings as a client. And there's one person who's kind of like, yeah, I'm the good one. Right. And usually they're the one who's more diligent about saving and more, they're like more stingy with their spending. But if I see that vibe coming up, you know, I basically ask them, well, how long have you been putting up with this dynamic that doesn't work for you, right? Wow. And by the way, along the way, how has that impacted you? Have you started feeling resentful, angry, bitter, frustrated, annoyed? Have you started taking that out on your partner in certain areas of the relationship? Maybe finances, but maybe other places, right? Yeah. Do you have less patience for them now that, than you would have if you would have tackled this 10 years ago? Well, then you can take responsibility for that piece too. You know what? I haven't spoken up about this and I've let my irritation build and probably taken out on it out on you in certain ways around finances or otherwise. And that's not how I want to be. So I'm sorry. And I really hope that we can, you know, get to a better place with this and I'll work on my side as well. But, you know, I think there's some things that if we get on the same team as a couple, we just really make, our lives and the whole relationship a lot better. Yeah. So you mentioned, you know, a hypothetical couple saying I'm the good one. W what are some of the different roles, whether they're, whether they're, cause I would argue that there is no good one. There's no bad one. Cause if you're the quote saver, you're probably not enjoying money and money is about enjoying as well. Um, you know, that, that hypothetical trip to Disney world. I mean, that's memories that, that you build. So I don't think there's, you know, one that's necessarily good or bad, but what are some of the different money mindsets or money attitudes that, that, that spouses and, and couples tend to have? Yeah. Well, first of all, 
you know, it's really funny that you say the Disney example for two reasons. Number one, I grew up in South Florida and live here. So, you know, all of our trips were Disney World trips. But also, I had a big money mindset moment personally that involved a random trip to Disneyland with a couple of friends that was, I had not planned for it. And, you know, I had to really deal with myself around, can I afford it? Yes. Did I plan for it? No. Am I going to sit on the sidelines and not enjoy my life when it's something I can afford? Right. Because my instinct is tight, 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 stingy. Uh, and so I love that you brought up Disney. It's a perfect thing to mention. Uh, for me, I tend to stay away from too much categorization. Uh, but what I always find fascinating is how did one grow up with money? What were their experiences mm -hmm. and what did they see and what messages did they get from their religious community, ethnic community, uh, their cultural, local community, whatever the case may be, religious community. And then how do they internalize that? Because I have a, a client who each of them grew up in poverty and they had completely different relationships to money, right? Uh, even though the scenarios they grew up in were very similar, one of them went the direction of, there is no way I am ever going to let that happen again. And so he became someone who was extremely careful about his money and did not want to spend any more than absolutely necessary. And she came more like, I don't know if I'm going to have money tomorrow. So I might as well enjoy it while I've got it because it could be gone tomorrow. And isn't it true that both of those philosophies have some merits and both Tons. of them have lack of merit, but you can't say one's absolutely. right and one's wrong, right? No, I mean, ideally, the place that my clients get to is seeing the beauty in each other's uh, personalities and orientations toward money and other things, right? Um, you know, I know personally, like I said, I've referenced multiple times that I can, my default is tight or stingy, right? Uh, my fiance encouraged me, hey, you work hard. Get yourself that TV, you know, and of course... I, I'm still me, so I still went and, you know, waited for a good deal, checkslickdeals.net, which I'm not affiliated with in any way, of course. But, you know, got my TV at a good price, you know, got myself a little mattress topper that's like a memory foam mattress. You know, so she is someone who, well, she's not by any means reckless with her money, not at all, but she is more like, hey, you got to enjoy and live. And so she's been able to teach me, sometimes just by example, right? Just by being kind of in her energy around it, it helps me, right? And then, of course, what I can offer to her is a really keen eye towards all different aspects of where the money's coming from, where's it going, you know, and we can think together about the holistic kind of big picture as well as the details. So there are strengths for each person to bring to the table right? But because money is taboo, it's uncomfortable for us. Usually the most common thing I hear literally probably more than anything else in my practice is, 
well, we just come from, you know, very different families, or we just have very different mindsets around money or very different outlooks around money. And I always encourage my clients to think about two things. Number one, how can it be complementary, right? Like you were saying, that they can each learn from each other. And also try and identify if it is a problem, in what ways or around what issues is it actually a problem, right? Because some people, oh, well, we, you know, we have different ideas or even we have some different goals. Well, that, that could be okay. It's okay to have, you know, two joint goals and then each of you has an individual goal and you're working on all of those at the same time. There's, there's nothing inherently wrong with that. So I really push people to say, even if you two are different, which of course you are, you're not identical twins. Uh, so where is it actually causing an issue besides just in you know your mind's eye? And then how can you get to that space where you can appreciate the complementary nature of your strengths? But of course, that process is the process that I take my clients through, which is we have to build trust and safety around talking about money. We have to build self-awareness and understanding of our partner. We have to know crystal clear what's our current financial situation. We need to decide on our most important goals. And then we need to create a plan that actually gets us from where we are to where we want to be. But not just a plan, one that we both feel good about because we talked about it and we found our way to the same page that we're both bought into and that we can execute as a team, including the never so comfortable accountability part of this, right? Because inevitably someone's going to overspend this or forget to pay that bill or whatever. And that is, if you can navigate those as a couple, usually you've now rounded third and you're heading for home and you're in good shape. Yeah. So a couple things there. Um, I interviewed Sarah K. Ramsey. She, she uh, helps people to get out of toxic relationships. And we were just talking about money mindsets. And it's, it's funny how deep money attitudes can be. She was in the educational field and she was saying how many people in the education field, they would say, oh, it's about the kids. It's not about the money. But what that really meant was that a lot of the people in the education field or that she knew were really just kind of afraid to take a leap of faith and do something different because then, you know, you'll be like those evil money people that all they care about is money and you should care about money. However much the right amount of money is for your family, you should care about it and you should definitely, definitely uh, try to uh, try to achieve that. So I, I thought that was, was interesting. And I mean, I you always that... have to look and see, right, where is something actually functioning as a cop-out for you, right? Mm -hmm. And as I say, like, oh, we just have such different money mindsets. No, that's a cop-out because that if you want to be with this person, you have to learn how to yep. marry the two, pun intended. Yep. Same with the teachers. If they say, oh, da, 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 well, now they don't have to worry about asking for a raise or applying for a different role or exploring a different career path, right? Yep. Um, yeah, yeah, no, then... And, 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 and also the other cop out in, in today's world is, you know, a lot of lower income people are, 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 they have lower incomes because of the rich people that are evil and bad and, and kind of, and, and I'm not saying that greed doesn't exist because of course it does, but many, many rich people 
got rich by taking risks and working very hard. And so I think, you know, I, I think there's a little bit of a uh, kind of a mindset in, in subsection of society to where, you know, I don't have enough money because the CEO of Pepsi makes $30 million. Well, they're kind of separate issues. Right. I mean, you know, it's a complicated thing that we could do a, a whole other conversation on. And I think it's like, there is what I work with my clients on is, uh, hey, there are real structural and systemic challenges and inequities in our society, laws in place or things that just evolved over time to be the way that they are that do create issues. And there's a reason that certain demographics or certain communities have more success versus more struggles. But we can be with that as a reality and also for you in your life and with your family how how can you thrive mm -hmm. even within a society sure. that isn't perfect or might even discriminate against you in certain ways even so okay well because you're not going to necessarily change that overnight right and so how can you live your most fulfilled happiest most self-expressed life and just complaining without uh, action, whether it's to change the system or change your situation, right? Obviously, at, after a while, it just becomes a, a dead end for, for your energy, right? And the spirit mm -hmm. you do have. And so that's really where I sit with my clients is honoring those realities. And also, what does it look like for you to achieve what matters to you? No, no question. No question at all. So yeah, so I'm looking at your website and, and I want to talk a little bit about your podcast because I'm a podcast junkie and I think podcasts can just literally change lives because they're free, right? I mean, you don't charge for your podcast, but you're giving such great information, but but um, your website, even on the blog portion, and this is all free information, three steps to spoil your wife or husband, when, even when you can't afford it, the top three myths about money and relationship, when to talk about money with your partner. These are all like really cool tips that can, that can turn a marriage or a relationship around. So, so tell me a little bit about your website and then tell me a little bit about some of the things you talk about on your podcast as well. Yeah. Well, first of all, thanks for that. Um, well, financial coach. Uh, but, so and my website is the hub of my business of my brand, right there. You can listen to episodes of my podcast, which is the couples financial coach podcast. Uh, we talk about everything around relationships and money. This is what I eat, sleep, and breathe. Uh, I am getting to the end of drafting my first book about this topic, which uh, is a written form of my Pathways to Prosperity coaching program that I put together for my clients. And uh, on the blog, yep, I mean, posts going up at least once a week. On the website, you can watch testimonials from clients, which I recommend not because it's like, oh, well, I have to work with Adam. It obviously don't get me wrong, right? The testimonies are up there because they make it sound like a good thing to work with me, but it's powerful to see the transformation that is possible in this area. If you take the right steps. And for some people, they don't need an intensive program like some of the ones that I offer, right? Maybe they could just use my blog or get my future book and be fine. And God bless you if that's the case, right? But watch those videos, see 
what a difference it can make if you and your spouse get on the same team or you and your partner get on the same team. And yeah, there's all kinds of free stuff out there. Certainly putting it up on my Instagram, my Facebook as well, almost every day of the week, if not every day. Uh, and then I have a really cool free quiz where I know I said I don't like to do too many uh, buckets, but it's the uh, couple's money personality type quiz because I see four general places along a continuum that folks seem to fall who come to me and uh, basically it's a super quick quiz that helps you figure out which of those buckets you're in and then what are the next steps you can take and I give you a free tool that helps you go from wherever you are and take the next next couple of steps forward and that's that's really the whole goal of my enterprise right how can I support you in leveling up your game in terms of whether it's your communication the trust and safety around money, the awareness of your finances, or even putting together and executing a plan. Perfect. Perfect. That's beautiful stuff. And this can change lives. It can change children's lives. It can change grandchildren's lives. And, and, I, and I encourage everybody, hey, take a look at uh, couplesfinancialcoach.com and then the uh, Couples Financial Coach uh, podcast as well. Uh, we all need to invest time and even sometimes money in the, in our personal and our development and in our relationship development. So if, if this resonates with you, uh, check out the website and Adam, before we kind of call it a podcast, I always like to finish it off and, and ask a guest for their definition of true wealth. So I have a feeling with you, it's not going to be a certain dollar amount. Um, but, uh, what's the definition of wealth for you? Well, it's uh, staring at me on my desktop. It's uh, my nephew who's uh, coming up on two years and not too long, two years old. And it's, you know, his, his laugh, his smile and God willing, my future children and my relationship with my fiance and future wife and my family and just, you know, the people who really matter to you. That's, that's at the end of the day, what I think makes for a life worth living. And of course, money is a piece of that, right? Being able to uh, feel at ease, you know, listen, there's money mindset, but let's be real. Having more can create more ease, right? Mm -hmm. Especially if it's saved in the bank. Uh, but at the end of the day, like you've said, David, so beautifully about how can I help have that money help me live the life I want, which is one where I have freedom to spend time with people I love to do kind things for them to support them in their journeys, whatever that may be. I love it. I love it. I've never asked anybody that question. And they said, well, you know, $5 million, $10 million, or, or nobody's ever given a dollar amount. They've always had some form of, you know, love and relationships and everything. And, and I think if we handle our <laughs> money properly, it gets money out of the way. So, the days when you're stressed out about money, you come home, you kick the dog. Maybe you're not, not mean to your kids, but you just are an extra nice because you're worried about some bills. And then there's, you know, just, just maybe not the best relationship with your, with your spouse. Money's a small, how we handle our money is a small part of, of creating that problem or preventing that problem. So people yep. like you, people like me um, that are helping people, helping clients um, and the general public to, to look at their money in the right way. Uh, I can't give too many details, but I um, was talking to a client and he, he 
he was telling me about this car that he bought and I was like, Oh yeah. I mean, that's a nice car. How much that cost you? $51,900. And I'm just, this guy can't afford that. So it's going to be seven years worth of, I don't even want to know what that monthly payment is of stress for this guy. Now it's a cool car, but you know, that cool car is going to be not that cool next month. So some of these decisions that we make are just, you know, we need to, we need to make, you may, you need to make good decisions for you. I need to make good decisions for me. And, um, and then cause, cause they all multiply good decisions or bad decisions. They multiply, um, positively or, or negatively, uh, for us. Indeed. So indeed. Well, great. So one more time, tell us, uh, tell us the name of your podcast and how everybody can find you. And we, we just really appreciate this fascinating episode. Thank you again, David, for having me. I appreciate the conversation and your instincts and where you went with it and, uh, to find me, everything is couples financial coach. So that's the Instagram handle. That's the Facebook handle. The website is couplesfinancialcoach.com. And the podcast is the couples financial coach podcast. And it's on all the major libraries. So check it out. Send me a message, shoot me an email, let me know. And if uh, you think we might be a fit to work together, let's jump on a call and see where we can go from there. Beautiful. Changing lives. I love it. Thank you. Thanks, David. The information contained herein, including but not limited to research, market valuations, calculations, estimates, and other material obtained from Parallel Financial and other sources are believed to be reliable. However, Parallel Financial does not warrant its accuracy or completedness. The materials are provided for informational purposes only. It should not be used or construed as an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any security. Past performance is not indicative of future results.